You got your advisor hat on still? I'm yeah. coming at you. No, come I'm at me. At I'm ready. No, no, no. I love this because it's, now you're giving me the ammo, baby. Now I know your I'm go, job. Yeah. No, it's okay. Your job, yeah. not my job. Yeah. Your job yeah. to make sure that customer knows that they have the part on order to begin with. Because right. half the time I call a customer and they don't even know they have a part on order because you didn't tell them. Because you ordered the wrong part. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Coach Jay. I'm the G-Man. We've built this podcast for the hardworking men and women of the automotive community. Some of you will listen and be entertained. Others will listen and apply. Our purpose is to provide both. Welcome to the Hard Shop Life. All right, all right. Here we are again, ladies and gents. Another Hard Shop Life with your hosts, the G-Man. And Coach Jay. I think in this one we have a special guest with us, uh, G-Man, right? Trying to bring my voice down an octave or two. I felt I feel a little raspy. I listened to it back some of the recordings and I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a little deep, a little Barry White, a little uh, you know, a little more throat. <laughs> little, what do they call yeah. it? A little 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 timber in my L- voice. Little timber in your voice. <laughs> That's right. That sounds good, big dog. You let me know. You let me know how oh I see I cracked there. I got it. Hey, gotta bring, bring you down. First of all, I, I okay, um, I'm just gonna do it. I don't know if it's illegal or not, but if we can if do it's it, illegal. listen, I'm just telling you. Uh, to our producer, can you please, like, yeah, can you please uh, cue our intro music? It's got to be Johnny Carson. Da, 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 da. Go ahead and play it. Okay, there you go. I think we can get five Sounds seconds. Good. Yep. Okay. So now I feel more comfortable, and I want to tell the story that we're here, G Man. Uh, you know, we we were. Uh, no, it was last week. It was last week. So we're in Iowa last week. And I'm in my hotel room and I'm about to go to sleep and I turn on the TV, right? And you're not usually putting on anything normally. It's Seinfeld or Friend or something like that. But no, this time it was like this nostalgia channel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Bro. Yes. And I kid you not, I turn on, it goes from commercial into dark and then it like fades in. And it's da, 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 da. Tyler, cue the music. Exactly. And it was Johnny Carson. And I was like, oh my God, I got to record this. I got like crazy. And the, te- the, the, the volume is low, but I know that it's live, you know, it's, it's a live TV show. So I can't stop it. You, you, you know, you're grabbing the remote and you're like, pause, pause, shit, this doesn't work. Grab my phone, record, record. And then, so I did this whole thing, right? Where I wanted to record it and send it to you. Right, right, right. right. And after said and done, I didn't turn up the volume on the freaking TV. What? So it gets all this like background, like you don't you uh, barely hear it at all. And I'm over here going, dang it, I'm so upset. Well, the effort. And, but I had it there. I really did. I had it right there to send to you in my, in my uh, text message. Well, the message. funny thing is I was in my room and I turned it on and Johnny was on. And <laughs> I was like, what's going on? What's with this town? Yeah. I don't know what it is about Dubuque, Iowa, but they play Johnny Carson. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. So, you know, um, producer one last time. Let's go ahead and cue that thing. One more time. Uh, Okay, so we are coming live to you from the beautiful state of Washington. Tell me how beautiful this place is. Oh, this place is beautiful. Come on, man. I I mean... Yeah, I mean the drive out was not that nice because of the it was raining cats and dogs. Yeah, we you know, but uh, but I'm looking forward to the drive home because it's supposed to be sunny and it, it is absolutely gorgeous through the Cascade Mountains and driving out to Seattle and it's I'm telling you if you guys don't you know if you get a chance to come out and visit I I recommend it. Okay. So Seattle or the Wenatchee, oh, it's beautiful. Wenatchee Valley. Oh, ah, it's gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. absolutely be- beautiful. Well, yeah. enough and about if you us. Like um. You know, outdoor stuff, fishing and boating and uh, camping and hiking and like this is the place. Yeah, You're looking I, to do something different. Man. Yeah, I keep I keep telling my uh, brother-in-law uh, T, who's a big time fisherman. He likes to fly fish. I tell him, you know, I want you to show me how to fly fish. And uh, and this place right here, they're telling me this is like one of the best places in the world. You know, hmm. yeah, that's what around here. we were talking about that on the way to yeah on the way out here on the drive. It's like it's freaking crazy. The rivers look really cool. Look yeah, like it's ideal fly fishing so anyway all right well on this episode we have a special guest tony welcome to the main stage that's funny i should say that for him <laughs> thank <right>? you glad <laughs> to be here <laughs> i mean i mean it's only appropriate so <laughs> oh my god oh my god a little, a little inside joke for you guys there 
little so t- Tony little hard stop live humor. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> Tony Acock, a good friend of ours, uh, now part of our team. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tony has an outstanding record of uh, fixed operations. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, his secret sauce, his secret weapon. I mean, I got it. I did it for you, bro. I did it for you. After the 35 years, after the 35 years yeah. of your mastery, right? And it's envelopment. I, I don't even know if that's a word. I just want to put it out there. Okay, I'll take it. Of being the parts master. Yeah. Right? 35 years. I know. I know. <laughs> Can I have my career back now? Do I get my career back? <laughs> 35 so, years, and, yeah, I, and I'm, uh, yeah. I'm five years as a parts guy. Yeah, I'm the parts but guy. You were the parts now guy. Now Tony's we the parts guy. We have a parts guy. We have Tony's a parts guy. Tony's officially the yeah, parts guy. You're the parts guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's it. But I only work two hours a day. But there you go. That's why we have a discounted rate. <laughs> you show up for lunch? <laughs> I mean, listen, we, we put it, we, didn't we put it out? We like, we're looking for a part-time guy. Well, I'm a parts guy. There you go. <laughs> I said, you're hired. You're hired. I get paid the same. I just yeah. don't work the same hours. Exactly. That's all you got to know. Exactly. Parts exactly. Time. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, by the way, he's like, he's like by the way, uh, I will allow one 24-hour period. And I said, one twenty-four hour period. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what I usually gave my boss when I did inventory. That's right. Once a year. <laughs> once a year. Once a year. He yeah. said, once a year. That's a year. all I get. That's okay. all. I'll, I'll come early and stay late. Once right. a year. Right. Right. <laughs> By the way, I'm really good at covering lunches. He said. <laughs> I'm like, no, man. This is not what we do. <laughs> oh my god, you're gonna make me choke. God dang. Okay. That's so good stuff. Sorry, to all you parts managers out there. No, come on. We're we poking love you a little guys. Fun. Give me a come on. This is, I love it. I couldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am without my parts manager, Don Valdez. You're my boy, Don. Oh man, oh man, unbelievable. So, um, this is what I want to talk about because it's been, it's, it's been something that just keeps trending. And when I say trending, G man, I say people ask us questions, mm-hmm. and this thing we were, we were in Dubuque. We're here now, where we were in Kansas City, you know, we're, we're everywhere, Maine, but it just keeps coming up. And this is the question. And I'm so happy that Tony's part of our team now, because here's the question. What do you guys do about SOP parts? Like, what do you do with that? How do the advisors, what's your system? Because we just, you know, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't know what the, why is it so hard? Like, why is it hard? And so I want to talk about that today because I think our audience would love to get a little perspective because we get asked that all the time. We, we've been asked that quite often. Yeah. What is your best practices of handling special loader parts with your advisors, with the technicians, with your people, with the BDC? How do you handle special loader parts? Well, I think the first, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. The first question is, why is it so hard? Mm-hmm. And it I doesn't think, have to be. It doesn't have to be, but it is. But it is. And he- here's what I'd say. I think the first thing we should discuss is, because this is what would lead you to the answer, is why is it? Why is it so hard? I mean, that's a question for you guys. Why is it so hard? What is it that gets in the way? What is it that makes it so complicated? Uh, okay. I know this is, a, this is like so blatantly obvious, but it's just, to me, it's communication. Like, I don't necessarily always know. Now, what really has bothered me, and I'm going to put my advisor hat on, all right? And I'm going into a war zone here with two parts managers. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be prepared for that. I know you, buddy. Ooh. Here's the thing. Anytime I have wanted to find an easier way, I'm, I'm just talking as an advisor. When I wanted to handle SOP parts, every time we, I would get shamed like, oh my God, it's not that hard. Go into the RO, hit this button, hit SRO, hit this, and it'll pull it up and it'll tell you. Da, 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 da. But then, but then, okay, because we do not on the service drive talk parts. I don't know what QRV means or or whatever the hell <laughs> the things are. And it says zero one zero or it says zero 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 or one zero one. Like I don't know what the hell that means. So you guys just just look at it there, I'll tell you. I'm like, what does that mean? Like what? Do these little things mean? You got to learn the lingo. You got to speak the language. Look, all I know about the language of parts is you're not allowed behind those doors. Sorry, go ahead and beep that one. You're just not allowed behind. You know the other word you understand in parts talk? 
intergalactic national back order. Yeah, I always heard that. That was horrible. I did not hear that often at my Honda store. John Hicks, the general manager now of a very successful Honda store, was the parts manager. He, gentlemen, out of full respect to you guys, he was a genius. 98.9% fill rate. That dude had a $3 million inventory, G-Man, for 60 That's techs. Respectable. The dude ran his his thing. You, we sat down with him. You met him. Mm-hmm. No, I met him. You met John. A good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Right? Good guy. Uh, so, so to you, deciphering the language or reading reading the language is your stick point a little bit because i have no time i'm i'm like dude just tell me if the parts here and so instead what what parts people did to me is they would try to show me how to go do it instead of just telling me and i had no time for that i I, you tell me that it's here i'll make sure it gets put on also not part of your expertise right it's not the it's not in the skill set Right? It's 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 a different it's a different job. It's a different skill set. Right. You know, it requires a different education and 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 also it's the repetition of it. See, it's like it's like looking at a financial statement. The first time you look at it, it just looks like a bunch of numbers. Right. And now, you know, you can look at it from half a mile away and see a problem. Yeah. So it's it's that kind of thing. You have to you have to kind of get immersed in it to understand the language and what they're trying to tell you. Yeah, and that's one of the things and then I you w- don't. And as an yeah. advisor, you're not looking at it yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like come on, man. Yeah. I I have been in the I was in the business since 1997 and the first time I ever heard the word obsolescence was I don't know, mid 2000s, you know, something mm-hmm. late 2000s. I don't have a clue. You know what I'm saying? And so to me, I think that's one of the things that Quite honestly, I hope there's advisors listening to us here, which there are, and managers, service managers. Get educated. I don't have a clue. And I'd love for you guys to talk about that. I mean, sometimes we live in fear of the unknown, and we have more fear of even asking of the unknown. I, Bro, I, I might have heard it, but I didn't have the guts to ask somebody, hey, man, what, what does obsolescence mean? Right, right. Right? What does the turn mean? What does, you know, I don't know. These are all, <laughs> no, the sick thing about it to you guys, right? To you two, you're like, oh, that's so funny. I don't like, I do this on purpose sometimes to create a little bit of balance, right? Mm-hmm. So that our audience understands like, yeah, this guy doesn't have a clue. Or Coach Jay's just dumb. <laughs> Whatever. One of the two. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's hear from our guests. So, so why, so Tony, from your perspective, why is it so, why does it seem like it's so complicated? Why is it so difficult? Well, as a parts manager, the number one thing you want to do is get those special order parts out as quick as they come in. You right. remove the inventory. That's where you make your money and you make the customer happy, right? So what irritates us or the roadblock that presents itself is when we give the service advisor, the BDC, the, the special order list, and those parts don't leave. They stay there and stay there and stay there. And then they become obsolete with time if you don't manage them and return them. Right. So what? So what is it about that? Why? So, so I get the frustration side of it. So then, why? Like, if all we need to do, so we worked on the customer's car. Like, let's let's just take it from the beginning. We made an appointment. The customer showed up. We greeted them. We wrote them up. We we did all the stuff to get their their contact information. We got the car in the shop. A technician looked at the car. A technician diagnosed the car. We called the customer and we said, "Hey, by the way, you need this thing." And we don't have this thing in stock. So then we placed an order, and now the customer leaves. Now all of a sudden, it's like an act of God to get them back in, get the part hung on the car. Like, what is, why is it like we can do all this stuff up front, right? But then when it comes time to get them back in, what is it that gets in our way? I would say communication and follow through. Having a system or a process to attack it and complete it every single time. Yeah. So, personally my opinion of that is process is that we don't i think most places don't really have a process to get them back in and if they do it's kind of like a broken or fragmented or almost like we'll we'll do it but we'll do it under like um when we have nothing else to do yeah basically yeah when we have nothing else to do we're gonna do so it's like who's gonna call the customer well that's the part's department's responsibility and the department the parts department's like well i didn't order the part that the advisor ordered the part it's his responsibility and he's like well i don't do that i got a customer to write up and phone calls to answer and exactly and and so 
I personally think that it's it's that it's that it's it's like it's the silos that create the problem. They become the roadblock. And it's like we're not we're not you know, you guys both said communication. We're not communicating with each other, which is really what we need to break down those walls, break down those silos and get people interested in it, because like we were talking about it today and, and we had a we had a dealership that, uh, you know, is, is close to us that it had to eat one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of parts because we ordered a bunch of stuff over the last several years and never got rid of it all. And then at some point, the dealer's like, okay, well, I can't sit on this garbage anymore. And it's in the way of new parts coming in. So we had to get rid of it all. And most advisors don't even understand that that's what happens. Like we're not communicating with them saying, this is why it's so important for us to get these parts out on the car or a service manager for that matter. If you don't have an FOD bridging the gap between the two departments, then it's like, no, it's it's like it's like the finger pointing, right? They're pointing yep. in either direction saying, it's not my job, it's your job. And it just be, and then the part just sits there and never makes it out to the car. And you know the only way they're going to fix this problem is to work together? Yeah. No so, finger pointing. There's got to be a process in place for both to work together to solve it. You know, one of the things I, and um, I'm going to say this, and some people are going to criticize me for it, sure. And I'm not, you know, trust me, I'm still on your team. I'm on, I'm on team advisor. I'm on team service. But one of the things that I empathize with the parts department, and to be brutally honest, it's the right thing to do because it's what motivates people to come back in, is people need to prepay for their freaking parts. If you, if I'm going to order it, prepay it. Yeah, I would think uh, if, I, if we're going to give advice it, on this right now and talking, you know, take it for what it is. But if you're not having your customers prepay for for customer pay parts for stuff yeah. that's not covered under warranty. Yeah. You're, 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 you're leaving yourself open to liability because I might say, yeah, go ahead, order that thing. And then I go home and I think better of it or I find a better price somewhere else. And now I'm going somewhere else. But if I paid you for that part, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in, I'm a hundred percent and I'm you're coming, coming back a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, another thing too, that I would say that you guys would probably be against is that you're right. As soon as you tell me to prepay, the first thing I'm doing is going on Amazon or finding us somebody who supplies me with the part. And then I'm going to present it to you and I'm going to be like, Hey, I can get this part here. Be, yeah. I can get that same exact part. It's going to be two days from now. And just like having Amazon, they don't ship until you pay. Exactly. Right? They don't ship it till you pay. Yeah. So so what I'll do is I'll charge you whatever Amazon's gonna charge you and you're gonna pay the shipping, which is gonna what I'm gonna charge you. And so you're gonna pay what I pay. And guess what? If Amazon gives it to you in three days, I'm gonna get it to you in three days. But guess what? You gotta pay. You gotta, you gotta pay. pay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You gotta pay. And and I think that in our business, and I I'll I'm telling you, I will confess to it. I did that. I would just say, don't worry, they're going to come back. Just order the part. And it was because of my inability to trust myself, my my lack of self-confidence, to know that I had connected deep enough with the customer to tell them respectfully, hey, do you, you need this part. We got to get it for your car. You got to go prepay for it. You just got to pay for it so I could put it on the ticket and let's get things moving. Well, the other side of that, too, is you said it before, like you're busy and stuff's moving fast and you don't have time to stop and like deal with the situation. So you're just like, just can you just order it for me? I know this guy, this guy's a good customer of mine. He'll be back. Just order it. I don't want to go through all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. I got other customers to move on to. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we just let that get in the way. But I mean, we need to understand that we need to run a smart business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, that's what it is. We're not saving the whales. Let's make no bones about it. Like we're running a business. We're in this thing to make a profit. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be smart business people. Can can I make a suggestion? I just had the idea because I'm thinking as a consumer and I'm also thinking as an advisor. And one thing I was going to say that gets under my skin that really bugged the heck out of me is when I did not have the part and I had to order it is is that moment when customers started shopping and they would shop the independents. Right. And it happened to me, gentlemen, it happened to me, which infuriated me. Now, mind you, I have not worked at a lot of places, so you may eventually figure it out. But this is what happened to me. I told a customer a price, and I asked them, this is how much it's going to be, but I will not have the part for another couple of days, right? And so um, so what I would say is, is I'm not going to have the part for the next couple of days, right? And the customer was like, okay, fine. Do you want me to order it? I'd have to prepay for it. 
okay, uh, well, maybe I'll prepay for it, but let me start shopping around. So they'd shop around. They would call the independent shop right down the street, right? They would call back. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but the independent shop's giving me a better deal on the part. Better deal on the price, a little bit cheaper. But, the, you know, your part is $661. Their part's $552, and it is at a special price. Or, or it is what it is. It's OEM. It's OEM. Only to find out that who they called is a wholesale customer, and they gave them list price. But you're giving me matrix price. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? And so the customer say no. And I would get, I mean, furious because guess what? They're selling into the host. They're selling it wholesale to this guy, fifteen back probably, or you know, fifteen percent, you know, below list or whatever. And guess what the what, guess what the independent shop's doing? He's going to sell that list, right? So then I lose the deal, right? And so I would get furious. So let me ask you this, and to ask, tell me if I'm really crazy. But my advice would be is if you do not have the part, and it has to be a special order part, right? Let's get the customer to prepay it. But make it list because now you're fighting your competition on giving them a list price because that's what they're going to sell it. They're going to sell it at MSRP. You may not believe it. No, I disagree. Oh, I love this. Let's go. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, that's a short-sighted way of looking at it. The the uh, independent will tell you their labor rate's cheaper. It's not. So they're going to go. Yeah, it's not. But they'll it's tell not. you it will. It's not. So they'll. Oh, I, believe me, I worked in the independent. I I I totally understand. But their labor rate will be cheaper. By hours, but they're going to charge you for more hours. Right. So they're going to charge you. They're going to end up charging you the same amount of money in the end of the day, but they're charging you more. They're charging you more, you know, less per hour, but more hours to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's the same thing. You, if you build trust with your client and you, you show them value in what you do, and your service department's nice. You've got, you know, got a good waiting room. You got a beautiful facility. You've got loaner cars. You know, you've got factory trained technicians like. You, you can compete with that because if you're talking about all, all we're going to do is compete on price, that's the lowest common denominator. Denominator. It's super easy for them to just cut you another 10 bucks. Why wouldn't they just cut you off again? Oh, yeah, we'll match that. Then he calls them back and says, well, they're willing to match it. Oh, well, we'll knock another 10 bucks off. It's a race to the bottom. Exactly. What I say, if they're not willing to pay to deal with me, if I'm not worth an extra $100, if my service isn't that valuable, then so be it. Then go somewhere else. Because we're not going to be a fit for every customer. It's just not going to happen. So you can't, you, you cannot, you can't go backwards. And at the end of the day, too, think about it for a second. List price is the same in Iowa as it is in Ohio, as it is in Florida, as it is in Texas, as it is in California. You got lots of different costs of living there. How can all those prices be the same? Well, when you switch How to a different commodity like groceries, it's different in the same city. Yeah, a gallon of milk is different in two different grocery stores. Could be right across the street from one another. Same brand. Yeah, so to me, it's like, that's just not, that's not the right argument. We need to set up a reasonable price that's that's designed for profit, that's well thought out, and then we just need to hold price. If they don't want to spend that money, then... Man, I've always struggled with this. Because to my core is, is uh, I remember my old employer back in the day, he had this like saying. Uh, he would always put it in the conference rooms or you know in the sales managers' offices and, and stuff like that. And it said, uh, "You can have the greatest part product in the world, but if you can't sell it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it. Does, it doesn't. It's not. It's worth nothing." And so to me, I would be like, you know, as an advisor, I'm like, look, I, I don't want to lose this sale. We have a part here, right? We have a part here on this shelf. And I'm competing with the thousands of others of that part that's distributed somewhere else. So why don't we discount labor instead of the part? We would. I mean, everybody did that, Just right? Curious. Yeah, I mean, you, you would. I mean, uh, it, it, it was what it was. Yeah, I know. I learned. Why I, would I later, discount? Look, yeah. I, later I learned. I, I got it. I got it. But at the end of the day, if I wasn't moving parts, the parts are sitting there, and then you know, the parts it, don't parts don't come. The parts don't end up on the shelf unless they move. They only come into the parts department and sit on the shelf if they move out the other way. They don't come in if they don't move out. So at the end of the day, it's only sitting there because it's going to move. Statistically, 
it's got a high probability of being sold. So at the end of the day, that argument doesn't make any sense to me. So just give your margin away if you just want parts to move in and out of the warehouse. Like, what are you carrying? What are the holding? The average holding cost for parts department today is 19%. So 19%. The average margin, 32%. You're eating up almost 20% of your 32% just to carry the dang part. So that gives you 12% left over to pay all your other bills. Like, the margins are razor thin, razor thin. And in order to have a really strong inventory and really good parts people and have a really solid parts, like you have to make a profit to do that. You have to. So are you two telling me, based on what you just told me, G-Man, are both of you confessing, right, that you get paid hourly as a parts manager <laughs> to hold back expense? I mean, let's be honest. If you're only working two to three hours a day... You must be oh getting paid hourly. Get nine hundred dollars an hour. I work what two hours fudge? a day, and then are you serious? Jeez, <laughs> that's a rough life. No joke. Gosh. All right. So, so, so I, so, I mean, just think about it. Like, you know, go to go back to our BMW days. Like we, uh, we. So I had, one, I, I had one of the biggest margins um, in the twenty group. In fact, I had the biggest margin in the twenty group. And uh, they would always ask, well, how do you do that? How do you get away with that? Now, number one, we're in the San Francisco Bay Area, right? So that's automatically it's going to be more expensive. So people are already expecting that. Housing costs, everything's more expensive there. So they're going to expect that, right? But at the same time, too, we offered, I mean, come on, we gave very good service there. Like we had a really well-run we, service we, department. We have a whole episode on on customer experience. It's not about price, which is actually one of the best you know episodes we've had. It has, yeah. it has so one of the highest the same, downloads. This is exactly same the same thing. conversation. I get it. I get it. I get it. I mean, you're right. You're right. And I think I, I well back to our original problem. Forget about price. We've you had went a whole down the price rabbit I did. Hole. I went. I didn't mean to. You I apologize. Went way I way off. off. Topic. So back to this. Back to this. And it's my <laughs> fault. I apologize. Well, I started talking about parts, and I want to cover everything parts because as an advisor and as a service manager and whatever, you know, we we want to have a better under, better understanding, and that's what I want. I want perspective. But when it comes to special order parts, right? Um, I agree with you. There needs to be a process, but. I also agree with Tony that it's got to be a collaborative effort. Yeah, it's the only way it will work. And 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 I I tell you what, like you even said a G man, like you you recently did an analysis about an SOP by answering you know a question for one of our clients, and then you said, okay, give me the report, and you looked at the report, and you're like, this report's incomplete. Like you're telling me this is your SOP parts, but this RO right here has five parts. You're telling me that one part came in. Well, how about the other four? So it just throws you yeah, off. So that, I think that's not fair. It's not yeah. fair information well, to go to an advisor and go, hey, your SOP parts in. And that guy's going to look at what the, how about the other four? Right, right. I think that's jacked. Well, and that's the thing. The uh, Hang on, I got to sign my check here for my, my whiskey. It's oh, okay. dude, right. we have an amazing bartender. She's been like feeding awesome. us all night. Listen, listen, if this episode sounds outstanding, it's because our bartender, what was your name again? Aww. Rachel, see, she's taking care of us, dude. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing, right? I mean, nobody knows we're recording this at 9.30 in the morning, but it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know? Thank you. Rachel's been here for us. She's doing awesome. Well, thank you. Nice you to go. finally have the bar open running. See? Yes, see? Yeah. yeah. Guys, it's really not 9.30 in the morning. Um, okay. What were we saying, buddy? You were, you were talking about the incomplete list, so... Yeah, so, I mean, so, that, okay, so that, just, that, that, that's a pain in the butt, man. Like, we do all these things to, to, to make sure that we don't disrupt the technicians. Oh, if you do this, the technicians are going to walk out. And so then the advisors have to take it in the freaking, you know. Okay, so, that, so that, that's, a, and to me, that's a problem. And I think a lot of parts managers do this. So Tony was talking a, a little bit ago about the frustration, about going through all the effort to order the part, getting it there, putting it on the shelf, and then it just sits there and it doesn't move. We get frustrated. And so then what happens with a lot of parts managers is they give up at that point. And they're like, well, they don't care. I don't care, right? So now I'm going to print off, okay, I'm going to hit print, and I'm going to print off my special order parts list. And meanwhile, it doesn't have everything on it, right? And so it's got, hey, all these parts are here, but it's missing one, and it doesn't tell you that. 
Right. It tells you everything that's here, but not that, not that you don't have all of them. So right. then what or, happens? Or it or in like in this case, we found like a whole bunch of open special orders that say parts are here, and meanwhile the car's been fixed down the road for a month, and they just left the SOR open, and it it ends up on the open SOR list for the advisor, and it just sits there. So now the advisor's like, "Well, you're giving me garbage information. Why should I care about your parts?" But G man. <laughs> What's an SOR? <laughs> I knew it was coming. Special order request. So when you order a part in most DMSs, you write that down. DMSs that you op- you open up a request, an SOR, a special order request, and, and it just basically is like a digital holding tank, and that ties the part to the customer, and it stays open until the part is either put on the car or passed across the counter. And then you're supposed to close the SOR because you open a special order and order, you get the part in, you give it away, it's supposed to be closed. That's what's supposed to happen. But not everybody does that, and they skip that part of the step, and then the SOR stays open, and it's a problem. It's like open ROs. Okay, so whose fault is Think that? Think about open ROs. Whose fault is that? It's the parts counter guys. Okay, okay, okay. It's their job Ownership. to close the SOR. Thank you. Well, Thank you. I mean, hey, we got to own our piece of it. Okay. We gotta own our piece of it. It's your. It's it's. You got your advisor hat on still. I'm yeah. coming at you. No, come I'm at me. At I'm ready. No, no, no. I love this because it's, now you're giving me the ammo, baby. Now it's I know your I'm job. Go, yeah. No, it's okay. Your job, yeah. not my job. Yeah. Your job yeah. to make sure that customer knows that they have part on order to begin with. Because yeah. half the time I call a customer and they don't even know they have a part on order because you didn't tell them. Because you ordered the wrong part. <laughs> <laughs> The typical advisory answer. <laughs> I'm going back to my office. That was good. <laughs> no, but I mean, we do have to own our part of it. The advisor's job is to communicate with the customer, make sure that they know what's coming in and going out. It's the parts guy's responsibility to procure the right part, get it in in a timely fashion, report back that it's actually here, right? It's like, and then when it's done, close the paperwork out, the proper paperwork, so that way it doesn't sit open and muddy the waters. We've talked about this. Go back and listen to. The one where we talked about having bad data. I forget what episode yeah. that was, like five or six was pretty early on. But you got to get your data right because it, you can't measure things if your data is wrong. Your data is wrong because you got garbage in your system. Your garbage in your system because you don't have good process. Process. Yeah. If I could, I like this mic, so I'm not going to drop it. But if I could drop the mic, that was a drop the mic moment. Right <laughs> <laughs> but I really like this mic. Oh, I really don't want to throw gosh, it on the ground. It's funny. <laughs> Go upstairs in my room. Okay, okay. So, so, so let's 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 give them the juicy stuff. In in both of your, you guys combined have about 122 years of experience in parts, and so <laughs> talk about past life, right? Wow, I love that. So, let's give our audience members. Um, what what are, what are the best practices that you guys have seen in regards to uh, you know I'll, and I'll share my part too but what have you seen as in through the through the eyes of a parts manager have you seen success in regards of getting those SOPs? so what was a key moment for me is when we had a BDC mm-hmm. we opened one and I would take the special order cards we'd handwrite them and I would go through them in the mornings as we received the parts I'd write. Roughly the estimated time to replace a part, I'd hand it to the BDC manager, Brandy. She'd call. She'd get them in. The day the part come in, the, the customer's coming in that week. Quick turnaround. So you you knew the time it would take to do the, the job, and you would give that to the to the BDC person for them to then just kind of like inform the customer, we need to make an appointment, get you in, and, and it's going to take about a half a day. Sure, I'd put like 0.5. They, they tell them to drop the car off for half a day. Okay. You, know, you get a big job, 12 hours, you get a cylinder head that's been hanging for a while, something like that. Hey, it's going to take a little longer. Have them leave the car for the day. So you're yeah. saying using the BDC as your tool of communication, and you you would kind of sort of jump over the advisor. Let the advisor know the part's here, but we're going to do what it takes. Well, exactly. advisors are busy, and, and not, to po- not to poke at them, but it, they have an important job to do, and we don't want them to stop doing that job because they got a live customer in front of them that they're dealing with. You don't want them to stop. So I don't want to get them involved in all that, in my opinion. Like, take the advisors out of it. I think the BDC is a great solution because we just need somebody to call that customer and get them back in. And we don't need to hang up the whole everything else that's going on while we're waiting for that to happen. 
I think too, the other side of it, I, I see a lot of parts managers is they don't have a special place for their special order. Like the special order shelf is kind of like, you know, gone the way of the dinosaur. It, it, most guys are putting them into their, um, into their inventory. They're, they're binning them in a, in a, you know, in a bin space and in, in their regular inventory. And I think that's a bad practice because they are not part. They don't. They are not part of your inventory. They should never be looked at as part of your regular inventory. Those parts are there. There's a reason why they're not on the shelf. It's because just like we talked about a minute ago, if it's on the shelf, it's because it's coming off the shelf. If it's a special order part, we need to force that thing off the shelf. And so that's the thing. You parts come in, they go out, and that's the normal thing. Parts sitting on the shelf because it's got. It's got demand. Somebody's going to buy it. That means that part's going to go out. Special order parts are there. They're the anomaly. They, we had to order them special simply because that part is, doesn't have any activity on it. So now you have to force that part off the shelf. Now, if it's hidden somewhere in, the, in your inventory on the shelf, somewhere, you're never going to see it. So you need to have a special. So I would say if you're listening to this, have a special spot where your parts go. That's your special order shelf. Make it, you know, organized, have a system for it. There's a couple of different systems out there. There's a four bin system you can use um, to rotate your parts through. But you need to know, number one, where they're at. And you need to know, number two, what the age of them is. So Tony, to Tony's point just a minute ago, speed is key. I mean, speed. I think speed and execution is key in just about everything that we do, whether it's service, parts, sales, I don't really care. Speed and execution is key. You have an idea, you need to act fast, and you need to execute, right? And so with parts, it's no different. That part comes in, time, that clock is now ticking, and time is not on your side. Think about it, man. Weeks go by. Like if Monday starts, all of a sudden it's Friday. And then that happens a few times. Now that part's aging out. Now you can't return it. So, so you have to act quickly. So I would, in, I mean, and I'm just the outside guy looking in. I would incentivize that. I would honestly get my parts team together and say, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to track days on sh- on S- on the special order parts shelf. Days on shelf. The lower the days, the bigger the bonus I'm going to give you at the end of the month. Wow. And so I'll give you guys an incentive. If you guys can push, do whatever it takes as my team to get the advisors to call, the BDC, you find a way to get this part off of our shelf here as fast as you can. If the average number of days is below this, we'll tier it. You get paid. Each one of you will get paid this, this, or this. And then it becomes an effort as a team. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think through that, too, you need a rhythm. So that would be that was going to be the next thing I was going to talk about is, like, you have to get a rhythm going. And that means you have to do things systemically. All, every day something happens. And to, and to get that to happen, you have to have your team involved. Your team all has to buy into this concept. These parts do not belong here. They are a cancer, and we need to get them the hell out, right? And so you've got to get them involved. And I think having a bonus or a spiff or play a game around it or do something to put energy into something that needs energy, right? Yeah. I got five water pumps on the shelf. Those don't need my energy. Those are going to come in and go out like the wind, right? I get a, a, a widget, a cap or something. I just have to tell you, fair warning, you guys are going into some, some, some mucky waters right now. Uh-oh. Yeah, because I mean, parts right now. If I'm a parts person, they're like, these guys are parts people. Mm. We don't get excited. Oh yeah, they do. They don't. We don't. What are you talking about? Like, come on. I don't know. We don't get it. We don't. We don't laugh, smile, and and joke. Come on. We're parts people. (laughs) (laughs) We're stoic. We used to have casino night. We're serious. So I'd hand out poker chips for everybody did stuff right. We we gamble and spin the roulette wheel and we would do uh we did all kinds of team building stuff i mean it like you can have fun in parts you can it is it is it can be a little dry i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sugarcoat it but you can have fun you just got to look for different ways of doing it it's not like service where the juice is happening it's you gotta you gotta add you gotta add the juice you gotta give it you gotta give the you gotta bring the heat it's the home of most dealership pranks it is, yeah, it is. a Well, they have a lot of time to think about it. That's right. But anyways, back on top, back on topic. So I'm just telling <laughs> you, I'm just trying to give you your credibility this is, back. This is I'm giving episode, you credibility back. They're going to be the like, episode of these, aren't, these aren't parts, guys. Um, I, I don't want this to be a lesson. Like, you know, like we do this part because we want to talk about stuff and educate and, and just talk about things that we see because we're in dealerships across the country every day. Um, 
and throw any ideas that we have out. I don't want it to become like a, a, a it's not this is not a class, but I I will say that there are some best practices that will help you to make sure that stuff moves out. You know, and so we were talking about the reporting. So I was saying like, you know, number one, we need to have process. We need to have a special place for them. We need to get our team involved in understanding what's out there. We need to communicate with our service fellows. And then, and, and we need to have, and we need to have good data. And to me, that's the last thing I'm gonna really talk about in terms of what my tips are for getting rid of this junk is we need to have good data because if you hand out a bad report to those advisors, they're gonna wad it up and throw it in the garbage and never look at another one you hand them again. So you need to make sure your special order parts report that you're putting out there is right. And if it takes a few minutes to double check it, to go to the shelf, to make sure that's there, to organize it and make sure that it's right, that will pay tenfold. So we just had one today. We just had a car today. We called a customer. We brought them back in. They came in for their special order part. The advisor called them in because we told them the parts were here and they go back to the shelf and they can't find it. And they can't find it because it's disorganized and it's not cared for properly. We don't have things ranged. Nobody double checked to make sure it was in the right spot. So, I mean, the part's back there. I know it's back there. A hundred percent. They scan parts in. It's not going to. It's, it, you're not going to get one on hand unless somebody scan, hit it with a scanner. So guaranteed, it's back there. They just can't find it. And so that's a problem for parts, too. So now, what have you done to that advisor? Now, what do those advisors think? Oh, yeah, you just wasted my time. You embarrassed me. Uh, here we go again. I got to, you know, it's the parts fault. It was the parts fault first time. It's the parts fault the second time. It's going to be the parts fault. Always. Well, yeah, and then I can't trust you. Lose credibility. Why? Yeah. Why am I going to bring that customer in? I'm going to get burned. I'm going to get bad CSI. Now I got to hold the car for an extra day. We got to pay for a loaner car. So all that stuff. So think about it. A little, one step, like take a little extra time to make sure we're giving that customer of ours, who is the service department, good information, right? Can I ask one thing? Why is it rare that parts people take ownership of the mistakes that they do make? I'm not saying they make them all the time. Uh, it's just, is it because you guys don't really make mistakes? I mean, is it really, I mean, what is it? Like I've just, I've experienced it personally and I've talked to thousands of advisors is like the parts department sometimes should own it. We, uh, we have to own it at times, you know? I don't know. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any time now, Tony, we jump in there. Jump. We're never wrong. We're never jump wrong. The commentary. <laughs> I, he, he, I, I think most people defend themselves. It's just natural to defend themselves. I do think it happens more in parts than probably some of the other departments. We do have some pretty hefty checks and balances in what we do that most other departments don't. Like I just mentioned scanning the part in. Like you touch it, you hit it with a scan gun. It's here. It's here somewhere. Now, where we failed is... We didn't, we didn't get it organized on the shelf in the right spot. That's where we failed. And I guarantee if I go back there and spend an hour or so, I'll find the thing. And, and then we need to own that part of it. And I think that's where we lose it. You know, that's where we're just like, well, whatever. You know, we just kind of, and then again, so then we go back and justify ourselves by saying, well, look at all those parts of there. How are we supposed to organize? I mean, and this is true of the current situation <laughs> is it's a mountain of parts and parts are organized alphabetically and they're in the wrong zone because the the letter is full, and so we have to move them over so to the next shelf. To the next one. And so then, if it's a B and we're putting it somewhere else, then like finding it's like finding a needle in a haystack. You have to have been the one that put it there, right? Which is a terrible, terrible system. Um, but again, so then they look back and go, "Look, it's like that because you guys order whatever you want. You never get the customer back in." And now it looks like this. So suck it up. See what I mean? It's just this whole blame game. Like everybody's just like pointing fingers and yeah. So that's why I, and again, another fat shout out to, to my boy, Don Valdez, because he made his people own it. He would tell them you messed up. You go tell the man, you go tell the service advisor you messed up because I would call, I would call Don. Hey man, what happened here? Oh, we messed up. We messed up. He would be like very, yeah, we messed this up. We, oh, we, there was times, oh, we really jacked this one up. 
let me, let me go make this. And you go over there. And, like, hey. and it was an educational piece. Like, you know, everybody makes mistakes, right? And so you'd be like, hey, hey, hey. Well, guess what? Go own it. I made a mistake. What are we going to do about it? This is what we're going to do. Blah, blah, How blah, do blah. we fix it? How do we fix it? We're going to fix it. We got to own it, right? Just like you would have to own it, right? And I'd get the same calls. But it was that level of communication uh, between the departments that made us thrive, right? Because there was other things, too, that Don would, and his team would do, which was outstanding, which I loved, is he made sure that, one, the advisor would be advised, would be told that the part comes in. Second, that the customer, that, that the parts person, right, would tell the technician. Two of them. Advisor first, technician second. Parts here, ready to rock and roll. What are we doing next? Right? Mm-hmm. Then there was a third person you would tell. The dispatcher. Mm. Three people knew. Yeah, we this one in. Yep. Yeah. And it was it was a machine. You know, it was a well, machine. Think, so think about the way you talk about him and um and you mentioned him a couple of times, not just in this podcast, but a bunch of times and you and I talked to the guy on the phone and I thought he was a super nice guy. Yeah. But you have a you have a respect for him. Oh he's amazing. You have a respect for him I that, would, that you so, don't have for me. So <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you reference me as a parts manager, you go, I was an asshole. I hated him. I couldn't get along with the guy. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just, you, you know why? Hurt. You know why? I got to tell you what. I got to tell you what. And, and, I, and I hope you take this as a compliment. I hope. Okay. But the way that you run your, you ran your parts department, the way you ran fixed operations reminded me very much of David Patterson. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, and David knows this. Who's a delightful man. Da- right. Delightful. Who's a, he, da- David was a tyrant. Okay, he could be. Why? Because he he demanded, he demanded a level of excellence. Yeah, he had a high expectation. That you had, exactly. Yeah. Because he believed of people's capabilities. Yeah. If he didn't know what your capabilities were, you weren't on his championship team. That was right. it. Very Bill Belichick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You do your job. That's all he said. Do your job. So go back for my joke. <laughs> um, but I do think that there is a piece of this that comes from mutual respect. Right? right? Respect for the parts guys. Respect for the people that write service. Respect for the service man. Like, they has to, like we all, we're all in this boat together. And the thing does not float if we don't all do our part. And I think you know, too often we're like, it's us against them. No, we're all moving this thing together. I'm telling you right now, parts, people listening to this, you will never make more money than you will on the part you hand across the counter. And that technician walks out there and slaps that part on the car and it happens fast because you're going to, you know, the more times you can make that happen, the more parts you're going to sell. So the more efficient I can make that technician, the more parts theoretically I'm going to move across the counter. Like it's just, it is what it is. And so we, we, like, we have to work together. I want him to be fast. I want these things to happen. And I have a respect for what he does. We need to have respect for what the parts guys do. And, and I, think, I think it solves a lot of those issues. But, you know, go all the way back to the beginning of this whole conversation. And we started out with uh, communication. And to me, that's the, that is it. I think, the, I think you're dead on. You start to break down. Like, that's think it. about it. What do we do when we come into a store is... All of a sudden, we're like, hey, let's take, we're going to take everybody out tonight. We're going to go out. We're going to have, you know, a couple of beers and, and some burgers. And we're going to, we're going to just get away from the dealership and go have a good time. Right. Yeah. And we do that because we want to open the lines of communication, break those walls down and start to open the lines of communication. You got to start doing that. Service managers, parts managers, like get together, take your people out, get them to mingle, break down some of those walls, learn yeah. a little bit about each other. They'll have more respect. They're a human being. They'll treat each other with more respect once I recognize you as a human. Yeah. And it just changes everything. So I, I and I say take a topic. A, you know, my, I, I think I agree. I'm I'm hundred percent with the G man. You 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 want to fix SOP? You want an SOP solution or process? Take them all out, go have a couple beers, maybe slices of pizza, burgers, whatever it is, and bring the topic to the table to your team and say, guys, we're all here together. What do you think is the best way that we can man- handle this together? Mm-hmm. And, and then collaboration will, well, listen, and then listen, people are people, right? 
the parts guys are going to be like, you know what? We probably could do a better job at this. You're right. If you guys do that, we'll do this. Let's work in the middle. Because at the end of the day, who do we all work for? The customer. The customer. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. We all get paid when the customer buys. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything left to say. Other than no, that, to I think this is it. You. I think this is it. This is, uh, bro, great job. To both of you guys, uh, you know, I have the utmost respect. Um, I didn't understand the value of the parts department and the parts people until I understood what collaboration, communication, and effort to achieve something was. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been a a um, center of excellence winner. Yeah. Without Don well, Valdez, you, and that's, never think about it. You get everybody together. That's how you. That's what you do. You yeah. become center of excellence. You yeah. win. You have the highest profitability. You have the biggest store in the in the county. You do that together. You don't do that by yourself. And right. I think that's the team. Key. Team. It's all it is. Yeah. yeah. Kumbaya, fellas. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. That is all we're gonna have for this episode of Hard Shop Life. We thank you guys for turning tuning in and listening to our parts chatter. Um, today uh, we um, we're doing another book report that we have. We have one that was just out, so pay attention to those. Remember to subscribe because we are doing now, trying to slide book reports in between the middle of every episode. It's really just basically what are we reading and helps you to sift through the garbage that's out there and really pick the books that are going to impact you and your business that's relevant content for you. Um, and so what we're trying to do is just you know get you into a position where you can just reach out and read something that's going to give you maximum benefit. So listen to those. Like I said, subscribe. That way it will notify you when a new episode comes up and you don't have to go hunting through your phone and go, oh, look, I missed a couple. So we're going to be putting those up periodically. And, uh, and we're out here pretty much every week bringing out new episodes. So um, tune in when you can. And if you haven't, if you're just tuning in right now and this is the first time you've heard us, go back. There's some really, really good stuff over the last year or so that we put out that you, you do yourself a favor by listening to. So again, thank you for listening to Hard Shop Live. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.